Hello, listeners. Every so often, we have content that doesn't necessarily fit with our traditional podcast format. So we're going to start a new segment we call Grognard Opportunity Attack. These will be random, shorter segments that we hope are still entertaining and or informative, but don't necessarily fit in the podcast we publish. This first one is relating to our Gen Con experiences on a personal level. We hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to the Grognards. My name's Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. And if we sound a little bit tired, that's because we are, because we just got back. Well, we didn't just get back from Gen Con, but we're still suffering from Gen Con jet lag. Oh, yeah. We are here to talk about our experience at Gen Con 2018, number 51, that was held August 1st through the 5th depending on when you arrived at Gen Con, and it was in, Indian- in Indianapolis. And I think for this session, Greg, why don't you take control of the dice? Thank you very much, Dean. Well, I think I can uh, speak for all of us on this and that we all had a really excellent time, an exciting Indeed. week, and um, it's going to possibly be another week or two before we actually recover from this experience. Yeah, I don't um, know about you guys, but I took Monday off and... and that helped a lot. I haven't done that in the past. You know, I have not done that, and I'm thinking about doing that next year. I was literally dragging my butt everywhere on Monday. I logged over 40 miles at Gen Con in four days. Yeah, I uh, I didn't do my total, but I know I walked well over 10 miles on Thursday. Yeah, I, I think I averaged six or seven miles. I didn't do much walking. We'll talk about that. Yeah. But I did yeah. walking, but not as much as you guys. Right. Yours was in little tiny circles. Yes. <laughs> yes, in one room. Yeah. So um, this was my, if I do my math right, I think my 13th year at Gen Con. And I have to say that every time I go to Gen Con, I have a different experience. Uh, last year, even though it was a 50th, it was not as much fun as this year. And I don't know exactly why that is. I quite quite have not yet digested uh, my Gen Con experience. But uh, this was number 13 for me, and I had a good time. I had a good time. I had a couple of bad experiences, but they were nothing to do with Gen Con in particular. So well, Maybe once we've unpacked uh, everything we've done here, you'll uh, you'll have that insight. And that could be. Why. Yeah. This was a, uh, how about I, you, Eric? I think this was about number five for me or so. I wasn't a big Gen Con guy until uh, I moved back to the Midwest, yeah, obviously. Yeah, had some travel issues. Yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, well, I had a good time. Yep. For me, this is uh, this is number two, and last year was a one day experience. So I consider I sort of consider this my first real Gen Con, and uh, I uh, it was uh, I was again overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed last year, and uh, this year I was a little bit overwhelmed too. I went in confident that I was going to get to do everything I wanted to do, and that fell apart by the end of the first day. And you know, <laughs> when you say overwhelmed, I'd have to agree. Even after having been there thirteen times. Even a veteran Gen Con goer can still get overwhelmed by the amount of stuff and things that are going on. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that because there was a lot yeah, we to had, do at Gen Con. Yeah, yeah, we had discussed planning. And once you sit down and start planning, that's when you realize that you've got this list of things you want to do and half of them overlap. And that's when you start chopping stuff yeah. out and making choices. And I always overestimate how much I can actually get done at Gen Con. That's always my problem, too. Yeah. So... Um, Anyway, uh, most of us uh, got there around the same time. Uh, how about uh, you, Eric? When did you arrive at Gen Con? How long did you I stay? I actually uh, sort of got smart this year. I, I work about halfway between where we live and Gen Con, so I had my truck loaded. I'd worked a half day on Wednesday, had my son drop, my daughter drop off my son at my work, which is about an hour away from where we live, and then we just left from there. Half and, day, uh, halfway. Yeah, so it was about an hour, hour and a half, but you lose an hour going to Eastern mm-hmm. Time Zone. Uh, so I got there, I think, around 2 o'clock on Wednesday, which worked out good. I got right in my hotel. I stayed at the JW Marriott, got right in there. And, and that's, um, uh, that's right across the street from the center. It's hooked up by the Skyway. Yeah, there you got to go through like a couple Skywalks to get to the convention center and through having a parking garage. M- myself, having never stayed in a downtown hotel, and I have stayed downtown, but it was like at the La Quinta, which is still like a mile yeah. away, and it's the La Quinta after all. What's it like in one of those? Because um, so, everybody fights to get into a downtown hotel. Yeah. I mean, it's nice... I, I stayed off-site. I stayed out from a Brownsville or some little town yeah. the first year. Yeah, I know where that is. And the difference is that if, you know, you got an armful of packages, 
you just drop them off in your hotel. You want to take a little yeah. break. You just drop it off mm-hmm. in your hotel. In the morning, I don't have to get up quite as early because I'm already there. Um, but staying off-site is not the end of the world. I mean, people, on uh, if you read the forums and stuff, they're, oh, my God, I'm not going if I can't be downtown. Yeah, I know. Well, That's th- ridiculous. Then you, just, you just live out of your car for the day instead of out of your hotel and room. You tr- can drop your games off in your trunk. You, I like to think you're not parked yeah, and two miles away. Truthfully, I paid $44 a day for parking. Yeah, me too. And, <laughs> and we had two cars. So oh. I need to reconsider that for next year's Gen Con. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. J- the JW parking lot... Uh, uh, once I got to looking around on my uh, on, on my little uh, food quest that I went on that I may not talk about, um, I noticed that uh, the forty four bucks was uh, was near the top end. You were you were paying to be right across the street. Yeah, which I like because you know we're going to talk about this, but I run workshops. I have a truck filled with supplies and you materials. You have a lot of stuff. And when I get done towards the end of Gen Con, I like to move that stuff to my truck. I start to like to move stuff on Saturday if I can. And get as much loaded so that when Sunday rolls around, I can just sort of finish up, pack the rest of it, and go. So I like having the truck close. Do I have to have it close? Is it worth uh, $200 to have it close? I don't know. Well, I stayed at an Airbnb, and I can... I'm going to stay there from here on out. I'm literally, in terms of as a crow flies, or at least drive time, um, I'm less than two miles from Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, and oh. we used the gate 10 parking pass, which was $65. So, I mean, I've already cut yeah. my cost far less than what you did. Where exactly does that allow you to park? That's uh, outside Lucas Oil. Right outside of Lucas, outside Oil. Lucas Oil. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Or you could be parking in a kind of an off-site uh, lot, which is on Kentucky Avenue. But both are still within decent walking distance. But when you use gate 10, you get their shuttle service, and they take you right to the front of ICC. Now, I have read horror stories about Airbnb with people having a reservation and it you getting pulled out be. from under them because people realize they could relist it for more because it's Gen Con. So my wife brought that up and I'm just real cautious. Now, I agree totally, but we've gotten lucky. This will, I'm already booked for next year. Mm-hmm. I have my lodging set for next year with no increase in price. And we, same people or different? Same people. Yeah, yeah, so you have a relationship, relationship with people? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not about to say who that's with and where it's located. <laughs> Secret undisclosed location. Let's just say there's some sacrifices the involved. Yes, exactly. But it's so nice to not have to worry about fighting that downtown hotel block when, you know, when the hotels go live. It's like, oh, my God, I can't get into yeah. the JW. Um, but it's really have, nice. I don't have that problem. Yeah. And it's, it's a... Th- <laughs> It's a two-bedroom with two extra areas where an additional three people could sleep. Oh, yeah. So I can put for a, I can put almost eight people That's in this the place. problem we run into is that, you know, we have a four-person room. It's me, my wife, my son, my daughter. But and then any this hanger-ons. Year, this year, my daughter had, brought a friend. Had some leeches. So we had that. And then Greg needed a place, so he ended Speaking up crashing in our room. Yeah. Uh, Greg <laughs> yeah. snores a lot, by the way. <laughs> I tried to fix that this time. <laughs> um, so, you know, I don't, we have to reevaluate that at this point because I work Gen Con. I think I'm just going to set a hard and fast rule where I'm four people in the room because I need to get rest. Like, yes, I can't exactly. have a million things going on. Like, I'm working Gen Con. Right, right. So, right. well, that was one of the things we sort of looked at this year. Well, I, I arrived um, about noon on Wednesday, got into the Airbnb, set up. Matter of fact, as soon as I walked in, my phone chirped and connected to the Wi-Fi immediately. Yeah, so did mine <laughs> from last year. Yeah. And then um, and then we set about going to downtown. We almost, we hit the ground running. We went right down to downtown. We went to uh, the ICC, kind of got our, uh, our, our game plan on where we needed to be and saw the will call line. We had to pick up one ticket from the will call line. We did not get it until almost two hours before the event because that damn line was forever. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit and why we think... The wheel call line was so freakishly long. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, uh, it was outside the building frequently. Um, uh, for me, I had to work that day, uh, and I had to work late that day, and then still go home, uh, have some family interaction, and get there. So I didn't get there from my perspective until a little after 12, which, unfortunately, for um, uh, Eric's perspective, that was after 1. Um <laughs> 
And uh, I Honey, actually the went in. at the door. Yeah, I went in and I dropped my stuff off and I actually headed over to the center. I think we might have still center. been awake. Were we awake when you got in? I don't know if we were or not. Uh, I'm not sure. You uh, you pretended like you were once you let me in the room. Uh, uh, but, Eric's uh, a nice guy. Everybody, yeah. I mean, Wednesday night, everyone's really psyched because nothing was open Wednesday. So even if you got there, you could like see the convention center, but you yeah. couldn't really do a whole lot. Yeah, because so everyone's, you know, at least my kids, really excited. They're waiting for Thursday. So it's hard to go to sleep on Wednesday night. It's like yeah. Christmas. Yeah, and I actually yeah. went over since I had only been there the one time and it was on a Saturday in that crush of people. I went over and I walked the hall because I didn't want to go over there in the morning and be bumbling around trying to figure out where I was going with 20 or 30 or 40,000 of the rest of the people. In yeah. Without doing that, yeah. So um, so I did get to see the will call line late, uh, you know, 1.30, 2.30 in the morning and... Um, uh, I wanted to. Uh, I had a ticket to exchange, and I wanted to pick up some generic tickets, and uh, I only waited in line about ten, fifteen minutes. Yeah, uh, so, but that well. wasn't. Again, I was in the customer service line, not the will call line. So right. the other, the other thing that we'll just, I'll just put right out there that my experience is way different. One, because I work at Gen Con, but two, because I have the the Vig badge, very important gamer, which costs six hundred fifty dollars instead of one hundred twenty five dollars. But one of the advantages of that is my will call line was walking up to the table in the VIG lounge and say, I, I need my stuff. So I didn't have to wait at all, which is sort of nice. I mean, what's that an hour nice. of your time worth? You tack that on to what I'm paying extra for the bag. Can, can I ask this? And this is for our listeners' um, information and such. Those people who do go to Gen Con, they don't really know, or some of them don't have the opportunity to be able to afford a VIG badge. Is that $625 that you pay for your VIG? I know you get a lot of things. What do you get? Right, so, Is it so, worth it? Yeah, here's the rundown on the VIG. I get first dibs on hotel. I register for hotels a week before everybody else. So basically, I get to pick my hotel. That's why I do it, because I run those workshops. I have too much stuff to carry to haul into town. That would never work. You get a swag bag with anywhere from... Uh, depending how you value games, um, 200, yeah. 400 bucks worth of swag. Um, they had that backpack, that gray backpack that mm -hmm. they were selling for it's $80. A nice bag. Yeah, a bunch of other stuff, and a ton of games that I will never play. Um, you get a t shirt, <laughs> that's worth 25 bucks. You get a one hour early exhibit hall access on Thursday. Um, and that, to some people, is crucial, and I'll explain uh, my, my take on that in a second. You get access to the VIG Lounge, which gets you free refreshments like twice a day. Um, they have a bag check. You can put stuff. They have comfy couches and tables. They have their own will call table and ticket, ticket table, so you don't have to wait in line for that. Um, so that's pretty much what nice. you get for the VIG. Now, the other thing you get is the ability to have a VIG companion badge. For another $150, somebody else can also register a room early. They don't get any of the other perks except the VIG Lounge and the VIG Mixer. There's a party that I've never been to, but apparently a lot of people like that. Um, so I have a special deal with a friend of mine who's really into board games. So combined, the two badges cost $800. Um, he pays $400, and I pay $400. He gets the early exhibit hall access because he's big into board games, but it allows him to reserve a room for him and his friends downtown, which is important to them. Makes, um, makes good sense. That's a good way to do it. So I'm basically paying 400 and I think it's worth it. Um, at 650 it would probably also be worth it for me, truthfully, just because the downtown... With all the stuff I carry, there's no way I could do it right. if I wasn't downtown. And I, I, I think you have a very legitimate reason for going VIG. Yeah. I think there are some people who just want to get all the you know service it, that they have. If this is your main hobby, if this is what you do with your free time, it might make sense to spend 650 I mean, how much? I got a buddy, every time a Kickstarter posts, he drops a couple thousand dollars on minis. Every time there's a, a Dwarven Forge, right? Oh. Oh, so, <laughs> you know, if you're already spending that kind of money, and Gen Con's the, the highlight of the gaming calendar, I, it's reasonable to spend oh, yeah. 650 now, I don't blame anybody for taking now, it. I'm just curious yeah. as to what they get. If people are interested in being a VIG, it's a lottery system. There's only about... 300-ish VIGs, and I'm not even sure they add new VIGs. You have to renew every year. If you don't, you drop off, and you have to reapply. Mm -hmm. So you put your name in for a lottery. It's usually, the deadline's usually December-ish, and um, they draw random names. I just lucked out. I put it in almost on a lark, thinking, oh, that'd be cool, and then I got picked. And I was like, crap, I need $650 to send up. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I've known people that have been trying for years to get in, and they can't get in. So, 
you know, if you're at least thinking about it, put your name in because if you can't do it, I bet you somebody would pay for your VIG badge just to, to be able to get the room, you know? Yeah, one make year, a deal so. with somebody. Yeah, make a deal with somebody. So, but, um, when, um, so did you, and uh, did we all stay all the way through Sunday? Did we yes, leave early? I was there until 2 33 o'clock on Sunday. My last workshop get do- got done at two. It was supposed to get done at two. Everybody was out by about one. That Sunday's a, an iffy day. I have a lot of no shows um, because people are just, they're just burned out. They've, they've done the whole convention going on, on full thrusters. And, and by the time Sunday morning rolls around, they have trouble getting out of bed or they've had their fill of gaming. So, yeah, that's pretty understandable. But yeah. it is a good day to hit the exhibit hall and try to get deals because Which people is, don't want to haul stuff around. Yeah, yeah. I did notice that a couple places I went, they were uh, doing two for ones or buy one, get one half. Yeah, some of the it was a smaller boost. The ones yeah. who had you know a little bit more to uh, to gain by not having to haul that merchandise back, and you know not a big manufacturer that can say, "Oh, well, we can just throw this yeah, back in the warehouse." Yeah, people already invested in the product and just want to get their money back out, so they have cash instead of product. Yeah, I had to I had to take off by noon, so I didn't get to you know wring that extra two or three hours out of it. But uh, you know, it was, I I had I had plenty of Gen Con. And, and Sunday's also family day at Gen Con, so there's a lot of small children that show up. And if you're uh, you know if you're a cosplayer or something like that, it's sometimes fun to, to cosplay on Sunday because you get a really great reaction from those little kids, especially if you do like a Disney cosplay or something. Yeah, and there's probably a lot less you know that crush of humanity. Uh, there was you know some of those cosplayers. I mean, you could just you just see a large group and you're rubbernecking around yep. to try to see you know what everybody's trying to check out um, well in theory the reason everybody goes to Gen Con in theory is to uh, play games and uh, I was gonna say I had uh, as my again my second Gen Con my first time registering for stuff I had a really good time uh, I ended up uh, playing three games uh, not quite as spread out as I'd wanted them in the first place but uh, I played in a Cthulhu run uh and that was over at the omni so that was my uh that was my first uh, i did that on thursday that was my first uh walking a few blocks to get somewhere and finding the room experience which went pretty well because they are so used to that crush of people yeah that they're they're all really good at directing you um uh, both of my other games were uh, oddly enough at the uh, regular Marriott because there's there's two Marriotts downtown and they, they refer to the yeah. one that you were at it was that's the JW and then the regular Marriott. Both of mine uh, the happened J-dub. to the J Dub. Yep. <laughs> uh, they were uh, both of my games oddly were in the same room at the same table on the same day at different times of the day. One was first thing in the morning. The other one actually went on until 1.30 in the morning. Wow. Got to play a nice old school Buffy game with somebody using the rule book. Uh, had a nice, fun, diverse group of people, which I was unfortunately, again, the oldest one at the table. Uh, wasn't the case of my Cthulhu game. Uh, that uh, tends to get some older guys. Um, in the evening, I played a game. Uh, it was uh, advertised as a champion's game. And it turned out that uh, when it was run by uh, an old buddy of mine, uh, I used to uh, play champions with him a lot in the uh, late 80s and early 90s, uh, Dave Simpkins. And he's interestingly a uh, professor in game design. And he, um, I said he advertised as a champions game. Uh, We played for four hours and it was sort of a Stranger Things kind of scenario. Mm -hmm. And we played for four hours and we did not roll dice once that entire four hours. That's an interesting game. How did everybody feel about that? Because I've run games like that that have been wildly successful because everybody's really into it. But on the flip side, I've also run games where you can tell there's one or two or maybe more people at the table that don't think they're gaming if they're not rolling dice. So Um, I it worked out really well. And everybody was seemed to be very happy with the scenario. To be fair, at least half of the people at that table had gamed with Dave before and seek him out in the catalog. He's part of a, uh, you know, one of those uh, game groups that, uh, you know, submit packages of, yeah. uh, of programs, and I think they get a deal on stuff. And um, Now, just because it's my want to do, like, quick asides, yeah. ever play dice, Amber Diceless Role-Playing? Uh-uh. There's no. an entire game based on Chronicles of Amber by Roger Zelazny that is a diceless role-play system. So huh. we'll have to talk about that yeah. at some point. But. Yeah, the inter- I think during this entire time, it just it never came up that we had to resolve anything using dice. And, and some people say that's good role-playing. You don't yeah. want to put it in the hands of fate. You want to 
have solid role playing so that you know yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was. Um, again, as since Dave is a is an academic, he's a he's an, a, a tenured associate professor in interactive game design. His his focus is the game experience and the players buying into the scenario. And I think everybody that showed up there was aware of what was going on. And that made a big difference. You know, there was, you know, some 17 year old that wanted to, to beat up the Hulk wasn't at the table. Uh, you know, every, everybody there, it was a it was an all male group. Everybody was, oh, you know, at least over 30, I think, or close to it. Um, one of the gentleman at the table was actually had never role played before hmm. and was a, an academic friend of Dave's and he was there to uh, to share the well, experience. I mean that's a cool experience yeah. if you can have and it. So, it's always a yeah. memorable. So that that was really good for me and I uh, I liked that a lot. Got to you know spend some time with a buddy and um, and uh, I'm going to you know search for his name next year and try to get in on whenever yeah. he does. So uh, what did uh, did you get to play anything Ding? Yes, I did. I had uh, 7 games scheduled Ooh, boy. Um, and I got to five of them um, <laughs> not because I didn't try to get to them or anything like this but I did play my favorite game it's a hidden trader type of game it's called Battlestar Galactica one of my favorite no you played the BSG game yeah, yeah. I did yeah surprise and it was really great it's always a good time and there's a gentleman his name is John he runs it and he also runs it at Hoosier Con and other conventions and whenever I see that he is running that game I play it because one he's got all kinds of cool little things to add into the game but he plays it with all the expansions and he's a great GM Um, it runs very smoothly for a, a game that could probably take six hours. He gets it done in four. Wow, nice. Um, was it with the little two-inch minis? Uh, I know I think mm-hmm. I can see you posted some pictures yes, of those minis. Yes. Yeah, I actually I saw that game when I was walking the hall there, uh, sightseeing. I uh, I remember seeing that, and I yeah. took some pictures of the minis too. So. But what was really great about it. I got to play. I wanted my son and daughter to play, but I couldn't get my son in, and it was okay because he couldn't make it that day anyway. But my daughter played with me, and it was such a proud gamer dad moment because she <laughs> played a perfect game of Battlestar Galactica. She single-handedly won the game in one turn. Hmm. Um, she was a wow. hidden hidden Cylon from the beginning and had everybody convinced she was not. And even when things were kind of suspicious, she was able to turn it so that it looked like somebody else was the Cylon. She'd played a perfect game. So your daughter's incredibly deceptive. Yes, <laughs> yeah. which scares me now. Yeah, exactly. uh, as, well, as well it should. Maybe we should be concerned. But yeah. as a gamer... Yeah, proud moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I got to play uh, with my wife, Pillars of the Earth, based on the book by Ken Fowlett, mm-hmm. and it is a worker placement game. And if you have not played this game, it's a it's probably one of the best worker placement games out there because the mechanics are really great. They're very easy to learn because it's all sequential, and um, it's it's a beautiful game too. It's a really beautiful game, and it has an end. You know, you can only play eight turns. It's not one of these things where you keep going until, you oh, know, until yeah. you get to 100 points. It's not a three-hour Monopoly marathon. Exactly. Yeah, so, and that was a really great game. And the GM, again, was fantastic. He was doing it, and then about halfway through the game, he's like, okay, I got to go start another game. If you need me, I'll be right over there. If you have any questions, blah, blah, blah. And just reference to a three-hour Monopoly marathon. If you play Monopoly <laughs> by the rules, it tends to go much quicker, but most people don't. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And uh, the highlight for me was being able to play uh, Memoir 44, which is a game that's been around for a long time. It's one of the best uh, World War II strategy uh, slash dice slash card games out there. And it's there. a good, if you're not sure you want to do miniature gaming, Yes, it's a good, like, toe in because it's not exactly miniatures but it's close there's like three kinds of units yes there's tanks armor and, and artillery a, uh, and you know a hex board and and they have different st- so it's it's sort of a good intro to it's a gateway games. game now you can spend a lot of money on getting extra things for that game yeah and that's what this game that i played was it was the d-day invasions and so it was six separate maps i saw your picture all put yeah. together the table or i should say the map itself is 12 feet long by Five and a half feet. Well, I'm sorry, twelve feet long and five and a half feet deep. Yeah, they had to have huge tables for this, and it's twelve players, and it takes seven core sets to play this game. Wow! And you had to have two GMs running it. That's an investment. And it was amazing. And we got to play with the designer, creator of the game, Richard Borg, who is one of the nicest guys 
in the gaming industry. He always shows up. Whether he's running the game or not, he always finds out where the Memoir 44 games are playing and shows up. There's a lot of nice people yeah. in gaming. I mean, yeah. it's a recreational activity, so I think if you're not nice, you probably don't last long. Right. That's fair. Um, were I, all of your games in the exhibit when the, in that Hall AD um, vast yeah. cavern? Uh, Memoir 44 was the only one there that I played. With an exception, and I'll get to here in just a second. The other two are in Lucas Oil, which I think is great. Lucas oh, down Oil on the floor. is yep down on the floor um, at the uh, Fight in the Skies Society headquarters. Those guys do a great job yeah. of putting on games. Their game masters are top notch, and that's why I'm really excited to go back to GaryCon yeah. because they're there. Yep. So, um, and then I've got to play. Uh, private games of Conan the Board Game, which is one of my favorites. It's really good. Yep, we know. And a game called The Fall of Magic, which, hmm. much like your experience, you don't roll dice. It is totally a story-based game using uh, uh, situations and cues from the game board. And the game board is literally a cloth map that you roll out and progress to the end. Huh. And hmm. you tell nice. the story building on each other's characters and what they add to their part of the story and eventually you come to a conclusion and it's quite satisfying huh. maybe diceless role playing is coming back in Way the, the future yeah. that, that amber game was like from the 80s yeah this wasn't a role playing game but it okay. was i mean it, i'll step back from that it was a role playing game yeah, i mean if you look at it role playing as yeah. like cooperative storytelling mm -hmm. that's sort of what now doing. i had signed up for formula day or formula d depending on which yeah. version you're playing um but I found that, and you said a lot of no-shows on Sunday. I also noticed that every game I played in, there was at least one no-show. Yeah, that was a problem this Every year. game. And I was a no-show for the Formula D game because I was with a good friend of mine that I hadn't Dang. seen in, in years. And we're like, you know what? If we do this, we're not going to be able to do this together. Yeah. So we traded in the tickets and did it. But we opened it up. We didn't yeah, just... Yeah, as long as you so traded you in the, the tickets. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's important. And I traded in the tickets three hours before the game. So I think the problem with no-shows is, one, people don't realize that you should check back for games you want to play. Like, if yeah. they didn't already follow our advice to show up with generic tickets, which they should have because it was our advice and it was good advice. <laughs> um, you know, always they, now with you know, the online stuff, you should always be checking for that event you want, even 30 minutes before. If you have time to get there, check, buy that ticket online. You, knew, you need to be able to get the ticket, which is another issue. Right. Um, yeah. So depending on the, the line. Now, here's something that I did not know of until just a couple of days ago. I need to check on this, but uh, people were confirming this. You can use last year's unused That's tickets too. as generics. Oh, I don't know about unused, but you. I heard, I didn't realize this, you can use last year's generics the following year. So I'm generics a, never expire, apparently. Okay, I, I may, they may well, have... That's good, because I never used mine. Yeah, they may have changed... Or I may have read wrong or something, but somebody was saying that you can use un you can use unused I would be surprised game if that tickets was the case. as generics. I would be surprised mm. if that was the case okay. because yeah, I would wonder as, a, as so, an event person, that, that, if somebody hands me a, a ticket for last year from something, I'm not going to take. Maybe that. I misunderstood, yeah. and I'm going to look into this. Yeah, find out. I'd but be um, yeah. you can use last year's generics as generics, oh. or trade them in for credit when you sign up for other stuff. Yeah, yeah. and I did notice the tickets were important. Uh, I noticed when we were at uh, GaryCon. Have most of the time, if you say, hey, do you want my ticket? They would just wave their hand and na-na-na. But at Gen Con, I mean, don't you collect those tickets yeah, and put that, them suckers that's in? That's how I get reimbursed, which is always, you know, I had a couple people, I lost my ticket. Okay, well, that's great. One, you just took up a spot that mm -hmm. somebody else could think. Yeah. Two, I don't get reimbursed, and I do workshops, so I have material costs. So now I'm just basically subsidizing your Gen Con experience because I'm giving you $20 worth of thermal plastic to build something, and I don't get reimbursed for that because you couldn't keep track of your ticket. Yeah, I was, uh, now, I was really normally, good. Now, normally, you know, you I were, just let them in because I can see they signed up. I can yeah. see their name on the list, and there's no sense both of us losing out, you know, so... Talking about subsidizing people's uh, Gen Con, uh, this was a year, at least on the forums and the uh, Facebook page, of everybody like, hey, help me get to Gen Con. Oh, 
uh, I won't even go into it, but there was a, a, a there was oh, a I, sl- I did I did see a bunch of those. There posts. was a small cadre of people who were like, I can't afford to go to Gen Con because this happened in my life, and now I don't <laughs> remember have that money. bumper sticker from the seventies that said, "Gas, grass, or ass, <laughs> nobody rides yeah. for free." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need one for gamers, like <laughs> dice. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. something, you know. Uh, but uh, that's another story yes. altogether. And yeah. I only I experienced a interesting no show. A game company did not show up. That happened. Really? Yeah. Well, I went to go play a game that was a Kickstarter game, and it was going to be shown. Oh, that explains it a little right there. And yeah. um, it was a successful Kickstarter, but I was looking for this game, looking all over the place, and just, I mean, I was like, where is it? I looked at the map. It was there. And we'll talk about maps here in a bit. Went to the GM HQ there in Hall D, and they're like, oh, yeah, they didn't show up. They just yeah. never showed. And, and I'm you like, never know what happens. I mean, they yeah, could have yeah. death in a family. These, these aren't like huge corporations with headquarters in Shanghai. It's usually some dude, dude working basement. out of his garage or his yeah. basement, you know? Yeah. But it was it, without any notification. Yeah, and Gen Con will reimburse. If it's like an event and the GM doesn't right. show up, you can get reimbursed for that. Yeah. yeah and, I know, you know, um, that's something that happened. I ran a couple of games, and the a couple of players didn't show up, and they said I wasn't where I was supposed to be. I didn't show up to my game to play the game. And I happened to actually be talking to Derek uh, Guter, who is the the guy that schedules these things. And I said, you saw me there. I was there. And he goes, yeah, because I think people were trying to get reimbursed. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's the case. Yeah, I made sure Wednesday. I didn't know. I wasn't sure what the refund refund policy was. But while I was uh, walking around at 2 o'clock in the morning, I went and I turned my ticket in Mm -hmm. for my – I had a Saturday game that I'd signed up for that I, uh, you know, wasn't supposed to be in. And I I showed up to the game anyway because uh, another buddy of mine was running it. And there was a girl sitting there, and she was like, I really wanted to get into this. And it was all sold out. And then Thursday morning, a ticket popped up. And I just went, you are welcome. And she was really happy. So it's really important if you know you can't get to something, turn that ticket in as soon as you can. They are moving to electronic ticketing. I don't know a lot about it. I did hear one person say they were not a fan. Um, I don't know how that would work. But, yeah, uh, who knows? Uh, So we're... As we get more information, you know, prior to next year's pre-Gen Con podcast, which everybody should listen to Mm because we'll give quality information. Um, So did you get to play any games? Yeah. No. So how how was your weekend, Eric? (laughs) So you did all workshop? Um, I walked through the dealer's hall. Mm -hmm. I did did workshops, had a couple of nice uh, dinners with my family. Um, But yeah, I I just worked. Okay. (laughs) Well, cool. Did you, um, you had a good turnout, though, except for a number of no-shows? Yeah, I mean, I run 21 people, and, I mean, my workshops aren't cheap. I Like I said, I have material costs and a lot of a lot of costs of also. It's $38. You would think for $38 people would show up. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but one workshop, I think I had 18 or 17, which we're a premier gaming group. If you have over 80% attendance average attendance yeah Yeah. you get premier group status which doesn't really do much but just gets you on the list it Um, makes you sound a little bit more important Um, like oh i should maybe go to that so in the past i have like filled up and actually gone over yeah Uh, you know i leave a little bit of space so it was surprising when i have a workshop with 18 people instead of 21 yeah Hmm. Well, in addition to playing games, I got to demo some games. Yeah, there's a lot of demoing going on. Um, Um, So what did you get to do? I got to demo, because I came in as press and I had set these up in advance, I set some times up to demo slash review some games that were kind of new to the market. And I got to demo all of the games that are under the uh, umbrella of Goliath Games, who are known for children's games, but they have taken a step into the adult game market. And I don't mean adult as in, like, you know, adult. You know, it's like NC-17-styled games, Cards Against Humanity-type games. And um, those games were uh, Shit Happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I saw that one. (laughs) Tossed Salad, True Colors, and friend or foe. And these are all like easy to learn and very low price point games. They're available at Target and they're like party level, uh, party type games. And they were a ton of fun to demo. Um, Did they know, have a big setup back towards the back of the uh, of hall, of the hall ABCD uh, yes, yes. Uh, mess there? Yeah, they had a lot of space. They were and, also uh, the ones demoing um, Oregon Trail, which looked like a fantastic game. Everybody who was demoing I did not it... not noticing that. I would have played that. Yeah, everybody who was demoing uh, Oregon Trail said it was great. 
and it played just like the. It was the know, card game, the the one the, the one I saw at Target. Yep, yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah. There's an electronic one too. I was intrigued. Right. By and that. as an added bonus, if um, you're not careful where you eat at Gen Con, you could actually die of dysentery. So that's true. It makes it a, a <laughs> very fair. like it's almost uh, a LARP at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I read I read something about Mercedes Lackey. I think. Uh, Supposedly got uh, food poisoning. Yeah. I didn't, really? I didn't track the you article know, down. I, no, no, no. It might it not wasn't, be true. It was not food poisoning. Her room was recently renovated, and they had not let it out gas enough, uh, and she basically got poisoned by gas. Right. Oh, probably you know, like it, like construction adhesives and stuff. Yes. I could never yeah. get into her stuff. I don't yeah. know why, but I did yeah. say what's the, I don't even know his though. name. Man- Joe Manginello. Joe Manginello. Yeah. Yeah. I saw him mm-hmm. uh, just walking yeah. through. There's a person I was with actually. Right. Hey, that's Joe Manginello, who's a big gamer. And yeah. um, if people haven't already listened to it, listen to his interview on the Stephen Colbert show. Oh, I watched they it last night. They talk about D and D for ten minutes straight. The entire interview. They talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Joe is Joe is awesome, and he was at Gary Con as well. And he was he was in the exhibit hall. And uh, I was I was off somewhere else doing something, and I heard he was in the exhibit hall. He just he everywhere he goes, everybody's like, "Joe's here, yeah. Joe mentioned that Manganel's here." And yeah. he's married to Sophia Vergara. Yes, yeah, he is. yeah. They are the two best looking people on the face of the earth. And he's playing D anD. <laughs> I, you know, I wonder how she feels. But my wife hates hates gaming. She doesn't do any gaming. She's apparently she tolerates. She's it. apparently very tolerant of it. Yes. Um, and uh, you know, it's and, not and, what I was. And he's he's been doing it well. since he was in high school. So you know, he is he is super old. Uh, he's super OG about it, and uh, and and not shy about telling everybody. Yeah, no, and, and I appreciate it's a that. Cool interview. And you know, uh, the only other like you see some famous people, Jen kind of about. Three years ago, I saw Matt Mercer. I got my son got mm-hmm. a picture with Matt Mercer before he was famous, so to speak, before yeah. Critical Role really took off. Tons of people talking about Critical Role. I would hear over here snippets of conversation. Yeah, and they had their um, booth. And, you know, that's a that's and a young person thing, watching people yeah. play. It is entertaining. I have watched it. They were signing autographs somewhere um, on the expo floor, and they put the line through Entrepreneur Alley, which is what I like to call the slum area, because yeah. they got narrower aisles and less room. That was a nightmare on Thursday. Yeah, they did a live show. I think oh. Friday or Saturday. I forgot yeah. what night. But uh, that was a nightmare. The but way that's that huge, line. and it's enter- it is entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do watch Critical Role, watch it online and set the speed to one point two five. So the four hours turns into three hours, yeah. makes it a little more bearable. <laughs> I did, a, a pro tip. Yeah, <laughs> I did get to demo a couple of other games, and I did some reviews, and I'll post on our show notes where those are at. But one I wanted to mention, um, again, back to uh, the Goliath games and uh, games adults play. Those are great games. You can pick them up at Target. They're really good. I think their price point is anywhere from 10 to 15 bucks. And they're the types of games that you would play with your friends around the dinner table type of thing. Um, may not want to play them with your kids if your kids are under, like, 17 or 16 because it'd be really uncomfortable. Yeah, especially like shit happens because then they're going to tell with your friends. kids. It's always awkward. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and, then, um, and, and then I also got to demo a uh, game called Meeple Steeple. And this is basically another game that's going to Kickstarter very soon. It's basically a worker placement game using actual little wooden meeples to build a tower. It's a dexterity and card-based game, kind of like Jenga, but you use cards to either go up or down, and it dictates how many meeples you can use as your foundation. Yeah, I saw a lot of meeples floating around there. Um, (laughs) And uh, I actually didn't get to do too much. uh, but I did. I made it a priority to set on and play some things. There was a choose-your-own-adventure uh, game that yeah, they I were saw that, and I've, got, I've heard good things about it that was, one it was as cute. well. It's based on the old books, the choose-your-own-adventure books. It, it has the same look. It, yeah, it's almost, yeah, it's the exact same Very look. Very Yeah, it's like they took the book and just, you know, disassembled it and turned the pages into cards. You've got a little tiny board with a danger scale. I played with, you know, three people I had never met before. It was it was very cool. Uh, I enjoyed the game. We, we did die Four moves that into the game. That happens a lot with those books too. Yeah, but uh, the the moderator wasn't around, so we kind of backed it up one and and managed to make it through one more round. So everybody got to read twice, and uh, <clears throat> and then I I played a little like a little tabletop chessy kind of game called Squadro, which uh, you know honestly, if I were gonna throw thirty five dollars at a at a little wooden chess game i would have bought it it was it was a beautiful game something you could set out it was fun to play super simple anybody could play it but um yeah next year i'd like to hopefully have some more time to play a little more longer serious games yeah uh, and you didn't get to do anything did did you again no i don't oh, okay games right. kind of so, crazy but yeah. i i must say like the sheer volume of games that are available at gen con like in the dealer's room is just totally overwhelming no it, it really really is i was trying to impress that on my son yesterday it just you, you just 
it never stops and there's yeah. a game for everything uh and uh, we we spent uh plenty of time uh you know as we could you know roaming around in the dealer's room yeah so uh i know that the one thing that we all did uh i didn't I, I, four days i did not see dean at all i didn't um, see greg once i, I saw eric at uh, the stink yeah i i did watch your video of the people coming into crush in the hall the nerd herd the nerd herd and uh, i was probably at the back of that and you probably had walked away just before i got there because towards the end of it i was watching to see because yeah. I, I i did that on thursday you guys encouraged me to do it um I, was, I did it. That was that was plenty for me. And you know, um, I can wait ten minutes. <laughs> Eric, you had said that the VIGs get the one hour pass early. Yeah, and so do the press. And it's really quite nice to go into the expo hall an now, hour early. Can you early. purchase? Oh yes. Oh oh, I didn't oh. know that. And that's why some of the v, that's what a I'm lot of the VIGs I'm go for. To the big representatives. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. That's what a lot of the VIGs go for. I think is you know yeah, of yeah. course swag. Well, that, my buddy who does it, he uh, is big into board games and he wants to get those early releases. But I think a lot of them also, especially for the press, a lot of them go to be ready five minutes before those doors open so they can videotape it and such like that because it is it's one thing to be in the nerd herd and i've done it many times it's kind of cool but yeah it's a it's a crush of people but to watch it flow through is yeah. and see that excitement building because you yeah. you know they open the doors and everybody's looking inside the expo hall going oh, i gotta get over there it's like christmas there. morning yeah, yeah. Really yeah. Sat- saturday i did go and do the second floor experience but i've always where you go and watch everybody funnel in yeah. from above and that was that was also pretty cool i've always called it the nerd herd or the you know the the running of the nerds i was standing next to a couple of the girls from cosplay deviants and they were at, you know they always have a representation at a booth there and if you don't know what cosplay deviants are it's basically sexified cosplay yeah, yeah. and when it's i mean hard. sexified it's not you know because a lot it's of it's racy it's very racy yeah. it's almost some, burlesque. Of it, some of it is definitely not uh pg-13 even some of it they, is it is semi-nude spectrum yeah yeah so i truthfully i don't have an opinion on it i don't either i um, mean a lot of cosplays are like models anyway they're just models that wear costumes and you see that in modeling yeah. Anyway, yeah. so here you just have modeling with costumes and yeah. But so. what I was getting at was, um, she called it. <laughs> I thought it was a little not mean. I just thought it was a little rough. She called it the running of the neckbeards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was like, wow, that is not beards. inaccurate because I was looking thing. at the people who were at the front of the line on your video, and yeah, that pretty well described all the guys that were first in the door. <laughs> Um, yeah. Now, I know, uh, I, I, other than... Big and heavy with a bushy beard, short and skinny with a goatee. Those yep. are the two body types. Yeah, so types. other... Hey, you're, the, you're the latter there. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. So other than at one thirty in the morning when I came dragging in, I actually did run into Eric one time. Uh, and it was, of course, in the dealer room like last year. Uh, did you... Uh, what'd you get, yeah, Eric? Yeah, so, so my big purchase this year, I need a one of those army box mini cases, you know, the big ones, because... I've, I have mini cases, but I don't have mini cases that can carry large minis. And when I DM, a lot of times I want to carry my large mini, as well as now I have my character for Adventures League, Snargopus, who rides the war cow. And I have a mini of him mounted on a Holstein, like dairy cow, you know, and that's too tall to fit in a normal case. So that was my, like, I went to Gen Con this year knowing I would buy that. And I've I also, remember you looked at some last year. Yeah, so I got that on, on Thursday. I had a little block of time. And also, apparently, I started a quest to find the biggest D20 that I can afford. <laughs> so I've, I've gradually been increasing the size of my D20 because, um, you know, I like to bring the pain when I DM. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I just I have one now that's about the size of that, a, that two and like and a half baseball, a little smaller than a baseball, I guess. Is it that but I don't want, like, the, the blow-up ones. ones? No, it's a it's a plastic one, a hard okay. plastic. I mean, I'm keeping it. Re- I'm not spending a ton of money because they make like a an aluminum one that's massive. I saw on Kickstarter, but it was like three hundred dollars. I'm yeah. not spending three hundred bucks. Yeah. But and that that foot diameter uh, uh, inflatable one you yeah, mentioned I, was pretty I'm awesome. Not, it's not not equally balanced. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, that it has to be. That is fair. Speaking, and it would destroy the table if. Yeah, you and I also it. don't like countdown dice. I want an actual die where the the opposite sides add up. Yeah, to, you know. The, I agree with you on that one. Number. Speaking of. Um, expensive dice yeah there is a uh booth called level up dice they do beautiful things beautiful things but if you wanted a full set of their high-end dice that were like laser cut and anodized and and they called them caged because they basically cut out the inside so that the inside of the die was actually inside the 
the cage. cage. Yeah, it floats. It floated on the inside. Seven hundred and some dollars. Yeah, I would say that's crazy, and nobody would pay that. But I know Greg, so I can't make that statement. <laughs> yeah. I did. I, I, I could did be get wrong. to touch one. Yeah, I could be wrong on that number. It could be less than that. But I also noticed that they had a auction going on for a set of dice, a full set of dice that were made from World War II Panzer tank. Yeah, that's armor. cool. You know, I that, would have been on that. I might get that or um, the one that's like meteorite dice. Yes. Uh, oh God, yes. Because it's are a awesome. convergence of two areas of nerddom, like yep. science. Science, space, and gaming, like, yeah. you can't go wrong that with that. That was the most interesting thing I saw at the demo yeah. hall. That was the most interesting thing. Um, the demo hall, I thought, was not as crowded as in the past. Well, two mm. years ago, they widened the aisles, yeah. which helped. Um, yeah. so, and uh, I, they continued with that, so that did help a little bit. Yeah. So what would you pick up, Dean? What would you buy? I bought... <laughs> in the past, I've always had something that I had to get. I want to get this, or I hear heard about this, and I want to make sure I get it. Your targeted and item. Not a single thing. Not a single thing was on my radar this year. Really? Nothing. And I bought one game. It's called Illimat, and it's a cool, beautiful-looking card game, a trick-taking game. Uh, trick, uh, well, you know, it, it's kind of like Bridge or uh, uh, things like that, but it's a beautiful map, and it's got an interesting story. It was made as a prop for a band called the Decemberists in a video that they did or a photo shoot. I've heard of them. And the Decemberists were like, you know what? This looks like a cool game. How do we make it into a game? <laughs> and this was back in like 2009. And in 2015, they kickstarted it and they developed it into this beautiful, really kind of a cool game. And I've, I demoed it a little bit and I bought it and the creator signed the box. And that was my purchase. It was one. And yeah. I did buy a couple of dice. I bought the uh, Gen Con commemorative dice for 2018 yeah, yeah. from Chessex. Have to do that. And um, that was really it for me. I had nothing. So I came back with way more money from Gen Con than I expected. Yeah, I was actually really good, too. I did not uh, I did not go looking for a specific game or anything. I did buy a uh, Super Fight supplement, picked up that 80s supplement yeah, for that. Yeah, my kids got that. Yeah, there's there are so many supplements for that game. But uh, I'm trying to lure some other people into playing Super Fight, uh, you know, like my wife. And so I, I got the 80s one. We kind of flipped through the cards. They're funny. But that was all I got uh, as far as that was concerned. Uh, I picked up some things for some other people. Um I did uh, engage in some gratuitous dice buying. Um, definitely got the con dice. Uh, Crystal Cast had a con die. Uh, Metal Dice Games had a mm -hmm. free con die that you could pick out, uh, get with a coupon. And you had to get that early because they ran out of those pretty quick. And um, uh, I did uh, I did get my Scotty's dice. I did try to find a D12 that has one through four three times, but I was too late in the convention. I wasn't able to. I hate D4s, always have. So generally, I roll yeah. D8s and divide by two. But they make these D12s, which roll better than D8s. D8s sort of thud. Um, so I wanted to get a D12 that has one through four three times. So when I rolled D4s, but they only had metal ones, and they were $8 each, and I'm going to use now, it for magic missiles. So that's I didn't a, want to pay $32 that's to cast a, little a magic much. missile. Yeah, yeah finding, finding the perfect D4 is uh, is definitely like the dice holy grail because uh, I, I the call trip ones, I hate those. I don't yeah. use them. All of my I have a bag where I've, I've picked them all out of all of my sets and put yeah. them away because I just don't like using them. Um but yeah, I, I managed to restrain myself, and I think I bought half as many dice as I did last year. But the thing I got in trouble with, and uh, it's partially Dean's fault because he alerted me to it first, was the stinking pin uh, bazaar. Huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got the pins I wanted, and I was done on Thursday morning. Yeah, it was uh, it was easy to get sucked into that. I had I said I set a limit on myself, and I went past that limit uh, on Thursday. Uh, because then you needed trading fodder. So I found myself buying maybe some of the less expensive ones to use later on to try to trade to get the ones the staff at pins. Lucas Oil to yeah. get the staff pins. I only got one of the staff pins. Uh, and I really? got Eric, I, yeah, I only got the, um, horticulture, the horticulture hall, hall one. Yeah. And then I got Eric a horticulture hall one because, you know, he doesn't have time to go out and do stuff like I that. I walked up to anybody who had a vest and I said, have you got this? And... Um, I only had to trade twice out of four times. They're like, oh, yeah, here, take it. Well, people like to give you stuff, Dean. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm a little shiftier looking. And uh, so they uh, they wanted something, especially yeah. especially by Thursday afternoon. They I could tell that some of those guys had they had been asked a thousand times for yeah, stuff. I, I think my and daughter they, is now caught the pin bug she was talking about it last night awesome. she's like oh i should have got more pins mm -hmm. i'm like uh oh here we go yeah i uh 
I think I ended up with under a dozen, but there were 42 available. And uh, I sat and did the uh, math on that with average prices. The thing about it is, though, is I think two or three of the ones I got, they were free. Some of the cups, some of the booze were giving them away. Some of the booze were charging five bucks, some eight. Most were charging next, 10. Next year, we might have a grognard pin. We need to talk yeah, about that. Yeah, I think that. we definitely need cool. a grognard yeah. pin. Yeah. yeah. I think I know a place that I can put them up in a booth and... Who knows? It'll be, yeah. it'll be the hot trading item yeah. of the con. Exactly. Everybody will want that Grognard what, button. There are a lot of people at Gen Con that would proudly display a pin that said Grognard. I know that they That is would. totally true. Yeah. I know they would. So, wow. Uh, anyway, all right. So, um, is there anything else that uh, yeah, uh, either uh, of you guys saw other, that you really liked? Well, let's, let's talk about the other stuff. Because, <laughs> like, yes, I went to the deal room. That was my <laughs> one block of free time. I had another block of free time, and I wore my Kerbal cosplay. Yep, cosplay was one of the yeah, and, things and I was wanting to know about. I did not see you. And I, mean, I didn't, I didn't see again, you outside of the, yeah. I didn't see a lot I, of cosplay. I only wore it for like an hour and 15 minutes. And, uh, it's you know, a little warm in there. I don't wear a lot of cosplay, but it's a big head, and we can post a picture <laughs> on, online. Not from, unlike his real one. Yes. It, 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 even he, bigger. He, he can, it doesn't wobble much, but um, it works. And it's based on Kerbal Space Program. They have these little guys that are Kerbals. They're the ones that get launched in orbit, and they lo- always look worried or, or stuff, you know. They have funny facial expressions. So I did a global cosplay. And the funny part was, well, I wore it for like an hour and 50 minutes. I probably got about 25 or 30 pictures. So a pretty good picture rate. People were like, oh, my God, Kerbal Cosplay, can I, can I have your picture? Because it's an older game, but the, the fans are diehards. Right? Yeah. Well, and the nice thing, too, is I saw, you know, as everybody did, a crush of cosplayers. I did not see another Kerbal. No, so, no. It's, yeah, that's, yeah, I like you, to do the off yeah, the beaten yeah, path. Yeah. Right. If you were dressed up as like the... the Deadpool. Um, oh, dead, oh, Deadpool or uh, the, the female character from Overwatch in the white and blue yeah. overalls. I saw like 20 of those. Yeah. 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 So that, I always try to stay away. But the interesting thing was I look out through the mouth and I have like a mesh in front so they yeah. can't see my face and to watch people's reactions because it would, it would be funny. They'd get this big grin on their face when they... Yeah. When they looked up and they saw it, because they're so excited that, you know, they play this game and they see a Kerbal. And then I'd also hear them explaining to the person they were with. What is, like, that? Who is that, that? And they're like, oh, my God, it's from Kerbal Space Program. That's a great game. Like, you have to try it out. So yeah. that was interesting. Yeah. You know? I saw very little cosplay. But then again, um, on Saturday, which is the big cosplay day, I was mostly playing games. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I and, and I had nothing scheduled for Saturday. So Saturday was my walking around day. And I really wanted to see the cosplay parade. Everybody said that. Um, so I, uh, I actually. I went outside because they, they were, I was surprised that they ran them outside and um, everybody was, you know, 10, 20 people deep in the hall to see the cosplay parade. If you went outside, you could just stand right on the edge and they would I always right just watch it on YouTube. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I will fess up. Uh, I was not as impressed with the cosplay parade. Because I, I think it. I think the people who are in the parade are uh, not as hardcore as the people who do the contest in the hall, and they don't want something to happen to their costume yeah. walking around yeah, the halls and going outside. Because I saw a lot of costumes walking around casually that were, you know, yeah. just the to be per- nice, were better than the ones that were in the parade. The parade is quantity, yeah. not quality. Yeah, and there were a lot of a lot of kids in the parade, and they were excited to be in the parade, and that that's great that they do that. I mean, it, it brings the entire convention to a halt in the hall because they block everything off. My and son almost missed missed the uh, memo- the beginning of the Memoir Forty Four game because he could not get through. Yeah, and that doesn't parade. surprise me at all. Yeah, he he almost had to have, like gone upstairs and gone over. And I gone said around. to him, I said, yeah. just cut through the line, and he's like, I might get killed, and I said, just go. Yeah, yeah. and uh, the uh, best one I saw, my favorite cosplay, and a lot of people did this, and it was a super simple one. The um, the aliens from Sesame Street, the yip 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 yeah, everybody that saw them, they, they were the only people all week that I stopped and says, oh my god, I got to get your picture, and and and. As soon as I left them, I heard somebody else do the same thing. Yeah, I saw them at they, Lucas Oil. Yeah, I, I saw them in a tunnel to Lucas Oil and at the parade, and uh, they uh, they made the rounds, and they did. Uh, they were very popular, but uh, I did enjoy uh, you know all the cosplaying. But you you were probably the only Kerbal there. Uh, yeah, Eric. yeah. I had so. a couple of really cool things that were not gaming. Re- well, they were gaming related, but um, I got to meet the author of one of my favorite books. It's called Playing at the World, which is basically the history of gaming, primarily the history of Dungeons and Dragons and the creation of it and all that stuff. Uh, John Peterson, he was there with uh, some co-authors for the book uh, Art and Arcana, which is kind of a visual. I actually just pre-ordered that last night at I did too. Uh, Amazon, $40. And, and uh, um, so I got their autograph on a book plate 
um, poster. Very cool. Which was really cool. And it was really great to just kind of reach out to the author of uh, Playing at the World, John, and say, thanks. Yeah. His is, it's a quality, like professional level. Yes. There's a lot of books out there, sort of the history, and we're going to have a podcast about that. And a, a lot of it's going to come from, from John's book as well as yeah. some other sources. But his is very solidly built. Yeah. Does, you know, it's it's almost like a PhD level analysis mm-hmm. of, of the history of D&D. And then I went to go see the film, the premiere of the film, Eye of the Beholder, which is a, uh, a history of the art of Dungeons and Dragons, and yeah, they that interviewed. Sounded really cool. It was very cool. It was more cool than I thought it would be because there's a lot of insight and a lot of background information about the early days of Dungeons yeah. and Dragons and how they wanted it presented in a visual sense. And they had interviews with those people who worked in the early days, and you know those people who the son of one of them that had passed away, unfortunately. Trampier. Yeah, Trampier. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was really great, and you saw some of this imagery that. If you haven't played all of the editions of Dungeons and Dragons, you wouldn't recognize it. But it's yeah. you know the early art was sort of amateurish because they didn't have a lot of money. Yeah, you yeah. Know? But it was still the stuff that. But kind it's of, iconic now. It, it exactly. It's yeah, iconic. Totally. You see it and you're like, that was my formative impression of what an orc looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a standard too, though. I mean, it wasn't just you know all the other games that came after D and D. The the artwork in those by mm-hmm. today's standards was you know crude fan art. But back then, that was you know yeah. that was professional. There weren't a lot work. of people doing fantasy art. Yeah, yeah. yeah so you kind of took what you got. And I don't know about. I know Eric went the Stink, which is on Wednesday. It's kind of an open type of event. It's not ticket. Well, it is ticketed, but you don't have to have a badge to get in. Um, it's yeah, kind was, of a mixer. And it's pretty cool. They were giving away a fully hardbound uh, book of Pathfinder. I'm not sure what it was. It really? was a path. I was trying wow. to get one for you, Greg. Hmm. And I think it was one that Paizo came up with and, yeah. and was releasing. And they were giving them away at, at uh, the Stink. Wow. That was and a lot of Pathfinder. There was a long line, so oh, we, yeah. didn't, we didn't get in the line. Yeah. We had enough lines at Gen Con. I why, why start on Wednesday? Yeah, yeah, but it was it's a nice way to kind of meet people from some of the local groups. And the international gamers are always and great. And there's not a lot you can do on Wednesday at Gen That's Con. That's true. Yeah. So it's nice to have some little get-together. I drink, had, drink I, beer, eat people. I had my annual Vegemite. Um, oh, there you go. I love Vegemite. Did, did an Australian make it for you? As a matter of fact, it did. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think yes. you have to have that yes. um, in order for it to be authentic. And then we went to the block party, which is always fun. Um, it's free. It was open to the public this year. Which... I saw I saw a lot of, like, um, younger women who looked like they were going to a rock concert, and I was like, she's not a gamer. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Um, but I tried the beer. I am not a fan of beer that has a lot of hops in it. Uh, yeah, I mean, so the Eternal Gamer beer was a miss for me, but there were many people who liked it. I thought it was okay. Yeah, um, I think I drank four I of them during the course. I drank four of them during the course of the weekend, so I must have thought it was okay. <laughs> I was getting in line because I wanted to have it. My wife and I wanted to try it, and I was gonna like, wow, that line is long, and some dudes walking around with two. And I said, man, I do not want to stand in that line. He goes, here, you're going to have my extra one. Because <laughs> he had bought one for somebody. And they Again, never... <laughs> only you, Dean. Only Dean. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, score. Um, <laughs> so I had something else interesting happen that uh, I want to sort of squeeze in before we run out of time. So prior to Gen Con, I was contacted by a representative from Wagner Tools. By, and his name was Ben Forsheth. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Um, and he wanted to meet with me because they're actually trying to market to cosplayers, uh, specifically heat guns. Um, so he wanted to show me some prototypes that I had developed uh, that they were going to put on the market, get my feedback, and also see how we use heat guns because that's what I do at the, the workshops. I do EVA foam and thermal plastic. We use heat guns for those. Um, and he sat in on one of my workshops. Yeah, and cool. uh, it was a pretty positive experience. I was impressed with what they developed. Uh, he actually gave me a couple heat guns, uh, three heat guns to be exact, which was sort of nice. nice. And I used them throughout the convention to sort of get a better feel for them. But this brings up a, a bigger issue, uh, which is gamers are starting to get noticed. You know, it used to be a very niche hobby. Um, I uh, yeah, Wagner's a big company to yeah, be doing something that specific. Yeah, they do. They do the old Milwaukee Tool line, which is with the heat gun I had been using for many years, um, and they really did did a good job with with this heat gun that they they developed. But um, I also had uh, Marion McBride, another Gen Con employee, stop by one of my workshops and speak with me briefly, and she had mentioned that they had a craft room that uh, brother had sponsored and provided materials. Yeah, I saw that. 
Yeah, and there was another company. I forget what the other company was. Where was that located? It was in the convention center. It, it, was, up, it was up on the second floor yeah. there, where they had um, they had a whole bunch of craft rooms set up. And I and I was walking by, and I was I you know it was like uh, I thought Project Runway had showed up because it was this yeah. giant room full of brother yeah. sewing machines. Yeah. So um, these outside companies are realizing that this is a, a it's a thing a thing, and they're starting to specifically market, which gives me hopes for next year. I'm going to be in, yeah. uh, talk to Ben further and see. See if we can get more involved with them and sort of more to make things a little easier for me at Gen Con than anything else. Um, but it's sort of an interesting phenomena. You know, like we mentioned uh, the Colbert interview with Joe Manganiello. I mean, gaming has been headed mainstream for a while now, and I think it's finally hit mainstream. Yeah, all those board games Dean was playing. Target exclusives, they put yeah. displays, you know, not they're not backing with the game stuff, they put them out on the power aisle. Yeah. And um, and Gen Con itself is aware of this because they're the ones who sort of work that deal with Brother and the other company. So uh, I'm interested to see where that's going to go in the future. And is it is it going to make it, you know, more inclusive and better for everybody, or is it is it going to maybe sour the experience and here's, for us crabby old grognards that's who the rub. want to play board games and D D all weekend? Is Gen Con becoming trying to become everything to everybody and becoming more Comic-Con. Yeah, San Diego Comic-Con, where it's, it becomes a press event rather than an actual gaming convention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All, through, you know, all through the 80s, that was always the thing to do. Everybody, oh, I'd love to go to San Diego. I would love to go to San Diego. Honestly, you would literally, have no you would desire. have to pay me to go to San Diego yeah. because it has nothing to do with comics and really isn't even hardly much of a convention. It's just a, it's it's a an giant, it's, a, it's an it entertainment press junket. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I hope that Gen Con always stays true to being about games for the gamers. And I am seeing that there's a little bit of, uh, uh, of that moving away from that, and it does concern me a little bit. It also concerns me that the town of Indianapolis, who loves Gen Con. It is hands down their favorite convention and Gen Con attendees are more valuable to yeah. Indianapolis than financially. Th financially than their sports teams combined. Yeah. Uh, the, and the big difference in, in reading people's comments is, you know, the Indianapolis 500 generates more income for uh, Indy, but those people can be rowdy. And they have to have extra police. Yes. And gamers yes. Uh, as a whole, not a lot of problems. <laughs> no. I mean, they, yeah. they tend to be much easier to deal with, much more pleasant people. Right. But um, I'm also noticing... They're not used a, to the sunlight. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm noticing a little bit of a downgrading in the outside experience in Indianapolis, and I'm talking about the uh, establishments, the eating and drinking establishments. Five years ago, and I kind of came to expect this, those places were doing everything they could to make it an awesome experience for those people who came in and spent money on their food and their drinks and, st and like stuff Scotty's like Scotty's and the Ram. Yes. And, and I noticed it two years ago, and it started with the Ram, and then it moved to Scotty's. And this has just been my experience, but it also was an experience for other people that I talked to that they've kind of taken the route of, you know what? The gamers are going to come. They're going to spend their money anyway. Yeah. We can draw back a little bit on that experience and maximize our J.W. Marriott profit. staff used to dress in Star Trek uniform shirts. Oh, really? And this year, no uniform shirts. And I was like, uh, well, that's peculiar. Yeah, I think they're kind of drawing back. They're like, eh, they're here anyway. Yeah, we got their money all, anyway. We've got their money. They're going to be here. They're going to spend money regardless of what we do. But to be honest, I'm reluctant to go back to some of those establishments. We we spent, you know, 120 beans on a couple dinners at Gen Con. They were nice dinners, don't get me wrong. But I also saw people walk into the elevator with a stack of Domino's pizza boxes. Yeah. And it makes you think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, we ordered in one time. We were at the yeah. Airbnb and we ordered in. I was like, I don't really want to go out. Yeah. Because yeah. it wasn't what I was expecting. I felt, I felt let down. I have yeah, to say it, that. It wasn't. It didn't add to the Gen Con experience. You were just going out to dinner at right. that point. Right, and yeah. in the past, I can do that at home. it did. And I add. did last night. It yeah. did add to the Gen Con experience now, I had a really, I had a really good experience at Scotty's, and I I thought they had Gen Conned it up a little bit, but it was not to the level I was expecting. It is not where, to the level of what it used to be. Yeah. As know, someone who has gone in the past, it is not even close yeah. to the level. I sat and I watched The Hobbit and I ate my sandwich, which was good. But uh, yeah, it was not. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I wasn't disappointed, but I wasn't overwhelmed. But that being said, 
Gen Con for me was an awesome experience. I plan on going all the way till 2022 because that's when they've got it scheduled out to. I've already got the time off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and nice. I'm planning on going. If you haven't been to Gen Con, again, uh, take our advice. Take some time out. Go. Go for a day at the very least. Um, it might be more valuable if you went for the four days. But anyway... Um, you need more than one day. Yeah. I think it's a fantastic experience. There are so many things that you can do and see and experience that it's worth it. Um, those few bad points for me did not ruin my Gen Con. Yeah. If you go once, you will know whether you want to go back. It's worth doing at least once to check it out. Yes, definitely. Uh, personally, I find that a, I like a balance. I, you know, Gen Con's a totally different experience for me, but I love Gary Con. You know, I play tons of games at Gary Con. Hoosier Con, another great convention. There's other conventions I go to that are different experiences at Gen Con, but I enjoy equally as much. Right. Yeah, that was kind of my takeaway, too, is that uh, different experiences, different places. You know, Gary Con is for gaming. Gen Con is for the gamer life experience. And uh, I was glad that I went to like all a pilgrimage. four days. It's like it, really, it really is. It really is. And uh, I'm I'm really hoping I get to go again next year, uh, maybe drag my son along. And uh, and I am looking forward to that. Yeah. So, uh, Okay, well, I think that's it for this wrap-up of post-Gen Con for the Grognards. And so, Greg, take us out. Yeah, hey, if you want to uh, let us know about your Gen Con experience or anything else or make any suggestions, uh, check us out on Facebook. That's what we check out. The, we uh, check the most. We are the Grognards. Um, if you want to uh, see what's going on with us on Twitter, we are at tgrognards. On Instagram, we are the underscore grognards. And if you want to just send us an email, then we are gamers at thegrognards.com. All right. And for the Grognards, I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Holly. And I'm Greg Ziegler. Take care.